when the doctor calls and you answer the call and you hear you have cancer, what do you need? <laughs> Love it. Note takers write that down. <laughs> when you lose your job and you have big financial decisions to make, what do you need? When you are a wife and your husband is uh, not doing it right, verbally abusive, maybe physically abusive, what do you need? If you're a parent, period, what do you need? Wisdom. What you need in all those situations is wisdom. When life happens, the wise person does what's best. Wisdom. When that person at work or at church continues to attack you, slander you, tell lies about you, what do you need? Wisdom. You need to know what to do and do it. You need wisdom. Wise or foolish, what do you want to be? When you think of wisdom, what comes to mind? Do you think of that guru on the top of a mountain with a big gray beard and you climb up and wise man saith? What do you think of? Are you okay with being ignorant? Not knowing the right decisions to make. Just kind of winging it in life, guessing. Do you want to be wise or foolish? When I was a, a young man, I had a good friend say, just tell me how lucky I was. I said, well, why am I lucky? He said, because when I think of wisdom or, or wise, I think of your dad. He said, your dad is wise. And I thought about that. And I, I kind of probed, and I don't remember the details exactly. I said, why, why do you think my dad is wise in a unique way? He said, because he always seems to know the right thing to do, and things work out for your family. I was like, that's, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, as I look back, that is basically it, isn't it? Knowing the right thing to do and then doing it to lead to the best outcomes is wisdom. Decisions. We're faced with decisions every single day. What are we going to eat? What time are we going to bed? Where are we going to live? What job are we going to take? How are we going to spend our time? How are we going to spend our money? Decisions, hundreds and hundreds every day. And it takes wisdom to make right decisions, even the small ones. This summer, we're going to be studying James. So when you got in, there was a book on your seat. This is for you to take with you. This is for you to keep. Um, today, we're not going to be in lesson one. We're going to be in lesson zero. Um, so if you, here's the reason we're giving you this, because we know over the summer we travel, we camp, we do those things. But this is one of those things. Um, we had a, a staff meeting this week, and, and we were just talking about notes and things like that. I said, man, I'd love stuff like this because I can stick it in my Bible. And I was like, uh, I'd never bring it back. So do what works for you. Um, but if you just stick this in your Bible and take it with you, then maybe if you miss a Sunday, you can listen. You can go through the notes. In here, there's a midweek study for you uh, to help encourage you with your God time in the week, uh, kind of following whatever the topic was Sunday. But this is for you to be able to take notes the way you want to take notes, to go through James this summer. Um, if this isn't for you, whatever, leave it. Um, no big deal. But also, we have our app. 
If you're, if you're new, you're not aware, we have a Common Ground app, so just search in your app store Common Ground Carson, and you can get the app. You can take notes on there. I know some people just love it. Uh, I, I think the people in the front, when they're on their phone, they're on the app. I think the people in the back, I'm not so sure. Um, <laughs> but the app is great, because you can take notes, and then you can even email it to yourself. Um, I point that out, because we're going to see today, as we talk about wisdom, we need to seek wisdom. And I think taking notes, having, having a way to interact with what you're learning is helpful. My favorite way, personally, is just having my Bible open and underlining things and circling things and making little notes. That's my favorite way. But do what works for you. But we're going to be studying James. James is the New Testament book of wisdom. Kind of like the Old Testament book of Proverbs, James is the, the most like it in the New Testament. It, it's not exactly an epistle kind of is, which is a letter. It's not exactly a, a story and narrative. It's most like wisdom literature in the Old Testament and in the ancient Near East, where it's full of wise sayings. It's full of, here's what you do in this situation. Here's the right thing to know, good theology, and here's the right thing to do with that good theology, uh, right action, wisdom. Two, one out of every two verses in James is an imperative command. That's crazy. So James is telling you what to do. <laughs> Basically, he's telling you what to believe and he's telling you what to do. He'll say, believe this and do this. James is going to say, faith without works is dead. He's going to say, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Throughout history, church history and even modern church, a lot of people, they don't like the book of James. Because they want the, uh, they want the religion that's about knowing and not doing. They want the religion that's about theology. I, I know all this stuff. I'm mature. And then you get into James, and James is like, whap, whap, whap. I want to see Christ's likeness in your life. Yeah, believing is great. You need that. You need to know. But now, now go do it. That's James. Uh, if you're reading through the New Testament, you'll read John, the Gospel of John. John will just grab your heart. John will show you Jesus in a way that stirs your heart. If you want to read uh, something deep, read, Paul's, read Romans. And you'll go deep into theology, deep into what Jesus did, how that accomplished our reconciliation deep. If you want to go wide, you read Hebrews. Hebrews covers this big scope of who Jesus is compared to angels, compared to the law, and on and on. But James is a punch in the face. James is that really good friend that tells you what he thinks. He's not a harmonizer. If you guys know the harmonizers, they're the ones that, you know, the friend that you could come to and be like, I think I'm going to invest all my money in typewriters. And they'd go, that's a great idea. Um, that's not James. James is the friend that would go, that's really stupid. You know, even keyboards are probably going to go out because you just voice the text now. Um, James will tell you what he thinks. James will tell you how to respond, how to behave, wisdom. It's about knowledge, but it's about knowledge applied. Who is James? So today we're doing an intro to James with a focus on wisdom because James is all about wisdom. And uh, his audience, as we're going to see as we look at the intro, his audience, uh, they knew some things about wisdom that we need to know because his audience was primarily Jews. If you look at James 1, go ahead and turn there so we can learn where it is. We're not going to spend a lot of time in James this morning, but James is near the end of your Bible. Hebrews, James. So it's, it's right about there if you see that. It might be easiest to go to Revelation and then go left a little bit. Um, but here's James. Once you find it, bookmark it because we're going to be in it all summer. But he starts in James 1.1. 1, 1. 
James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. That's all we're covering today. He says to the 12 tribes, he's writing primarily to Jews who are dispersed, to Jews who are no longer in Jerusalem, but they're probably close by. They're probably in Palestine. They're, they're nearby. Uh, as you read through Acts, you'll see the first martyr was Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death. Right after his stoning, everybody fled. Only the apostles were left in Jerusalem. All the other Christians, by the way, there were thousands of them, fled. That's who James is probably writing to, those who had fled and set up life outside of Jerusalem, and he calls them the, the dispersed. They are those believing Jewish Christians outside now living in the world. They are persecuted because now they're Christians. Jews don't like them anymore. They're, they're Christians which really came from Judaism, so the rest of the world still sees them as Jews, and so they don't like them either. So these, these people are mostly poor, not all of them. Some of them are rich, but mostly poor, persecuted Christians, they're suffering. And so James is writing to this group of suffering people. We can relate. Now, in many ways, they had it way worse than we do. But we live in a world that really, we claim Christianity kind of as a nation, but not anymore. We're going away from that. But he's going to talk about suffering when life happens, when people come against you, when you have conflict, normal life things, money, prayer. These are the things he's going to talk about. Now, James just so you know, James, this is the half-brother of Jesus. So Jesus, we know, was born to Mary, Mary and Joseph, Joseph the carpenter, uh, when Mary was real young, uh, impregnated by the Holy Spirit. So uh, Joseph was stepdad. Well, they went on and got married and had many other children. The Bible's clear about that. And one of those was James. So can you imagine being Jesus' younger brother, James? I, I mean, just think about that for a minute. For 15 years or so, living on the bottom bunk with Jesus on the top bunk. I mean, I was just thinking about it. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, he became the leader of the Jerusalem church. So Peter, you know, early on in Acts, we see Peter leading. But pretty quickly, it looks like that leadership was passed to James. Kind of interesting. James did not believe in Jesus during Jesus' life. So James was in his 20s probably when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Did not believe in him. James got a special appearance from his half-brother rose from the dead. Jesus appeared to James. I'd love to know how that went down. <laughs> believe in me now, little bro? <laughs> but, but he made a special appearance to James. Jesus, being God in flesh, I think he knew some things. I think he probably had some, some plans for James and what was going to happen. So I, I kind of picture, what would it be like being James, Jesus' half-brother? What would it be like following him in school? You know, you have the same teacher, like, oh, you're Jesus' brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not as perfect. But I do wonder, you know, did Jesus prepare things on the top bunk? Did he lead down? Psst, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> no one comes to the Father, but Jesus, come on. But I'm betting, I'm betting James heard a lot from Jesus through those years. So when his time came to step and lead, he was prepared. He was prepared by his half-brother, Jesus. So this is James. James was known as Camel Knee in the early church. They called him Camel Knee because he spent so much time on his knees in prayer. He was a pious man. He was not a proud man. He was a humble servant of God and of his brother, his half-brother, Jesus. And again, he's writing to dispersed Jews. Now, why do we need to study James this summer? 
Why do we need to study wisdom? Because on your own, you'll probably get it wrong, if you're like me. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Worldly wisdom, natural wisdom, is often wrong. That's why we come here on Sunday. That's a big reason. We come here on Sundays to worship, but we also come to hear what's the word tell us how to live in accordance with what God has for us. Because on our own, we'll probably get it wrong most of the time. And so we're going to look at James to see how do we do this right? How do we live correctly? But like I said, that's it for James for today. Now, turn to Proverbs. We're going to hop around in Proverbs some. That's really in the middle. It's a lot easier to find. Just like put it this and just, and you'll be close. Um, there's also the table of contents at the beginning. Feel free to look at that. There's no shame in looking at that. But Proverbs, we're going to be in eight, but we're going to hop around a little bit because Proverbs is the Old Testament book of wisdom. Proverbs is mostly written by Solomon. Solomon was King David's son. Now he did some things really wrong later in his life. But when Solomon started being king, he had a, a vision with the Lord. God appeared to him and he said, Solomon, I'm going to give you anything you ask. And he could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for power. But he said, give me discernment to lead your people. Solomon said, the one thing I want is wisdom to lead these people. God said, you got it. And because you didn't ask for power, I'm going to give you power. Because you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to give you wealth too. But Solomon and was the wisest man up until Jesus, arguably. Now, you could argue he made some horrible mistakes. But Solomon wrote down great wisdom. And so this was the literature that, that James's audience would have already read this. They would know this. They would have memorized it and passed it on. And so this is where we're going to start because they had an idea of wisdom that we need to get. So how does wisdom start? Proverbs 9.10. Now, you don't have to turn there. Most of these are going to be on the screen. But we are going to read through Proverbs 8. So if you want to just camp out somewhere, camp out in Proverbs 8 and then look up here. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Let's leave that up on the screen for quite a while. This is where wisdom starts. So wisdom is the ability to make the right decisions at the right time, to do what's best. Here's where it starts. The fear of the Lord. Lord, if you, in your Bible you see Lord there, it's capitalized L-O-R-D, all in caps. That means Yahweh. That's the personal name of God the Father. Fear of God, not just any God, not a God, the God, the fear of God, the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. So if you're a note taker, um, your notes this summer are going to be a little bit more up to you. We're not going to have as many fill in the blanks, so that means you have to pay attention more to write down what sticks out. But we're going to have a little list of wisdom versus foolishness. On the app, you'll see it on there. You can fill in under wisdom. But here's the first one. Wisdom fears the Lord. The wise person fears the Lord. What does fear mean? It means reverence. It means respect. It means awe. It means fear. It means trembling. Uh, the, the example that came to mind was, let's say Lydia, our 13-year-old daughter, is spending the night at somebody else's house. And she calls us and she says, hey, we're all going to go to the park in the middle of town at midnight. We would go, mm, no, <laughs> that's a bad idea. Now, why would we say that? Because we love our daughter and we, we know some things maybe she doesn't know yet. And we, we see that's not a wise thing to do. So we'd say, we'd rather you just stay home and 
watch a movie and eat chips, whatever. Now, say midnight rolls around and the other girls all go, hey, we're going to the park. Now, Lydia's there going, well, my mom and dad said I have to stay here. I'm like, well, we're going anyway. If she fears us, she will stay there all by herself. The fear would be, I know mom and dad know what's best for me. I do, you don't have to agree, by the way. She could go, I don't agree. I want to go to the park. But they've told me not to, and so I'm not going to. That's this fear of the Lord. It's that when we speak, it carries weight. She goes, I know they love me. I know they want what's best. I know they don't want to just control me. They want, and so I'm going to respect them. I'm going to do this. That's, right, Lydia? You, you know that, right? Okay. <laughs> but that's this idea of fear. There is fear of discipline. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of this because God will discipline those he loves. So there is some of that. It may be, I'm not going because they're going to find out and I'm going to, you know, be confined to my shed all summer, whatever it is. But the fear is you hear, it's, it has weight, and so I'm going to obey. I don't always have to agree or understand even, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when the Lord speaks, we go, okay, I'm going to seek to understand that, and I'm going to, even if I don't get it, I'm going to obey. That's wisdom begins with fearing the Lord. But here's the other thing in this verse. Wisdom, let's pop that same verse back up there. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but here's the second half. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So here's the second part. You fear Him, but then you're seeking to know Him. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So this, this insight, my, my version here says, understanding. You know God. The wise person is intent on getting to know God, understand God, have discernment, able to recognize between truth and falsehood about God. When somebody says something about God, the wise person goes, mm, I'm not sure that's true, or I think that's true, but they're able then to go to the Word. But, but the, the, the wise person is seeking to know God. We, we talk about this all the time here at Common Ground. Eternal life is to know the Father and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. This is what we're made for. This is what we're going to do for eternity is get to know God. And by the way, Although we will be immortal forever, I don't think we're going to be infinite, meaning we're going to get to learn about God forever. If you've been married for very long, we just had our 15th year anniversary, I'm still getting to know Callie. And I think that's going to happen for our entire marriage. It's the same with God, only way greater. We're going to get to know Him forever. So the, the wise person seeks to know the Lord. It's not just a knowledge about, though. It's an experiential knowledge. It's a relationship knowledge to know Him and experience Him. The wise person seeks to know God and understand Him. You know, because I've seen such, uh, in the American church, such a weight on knowledge over becoming like Christ, I have a tendency in myself to lean toward obedience. You know, do what Jesus says, uh, the relationship with God, but the other side is very, very important. We need to know God because you can't fear what you don't know. You can't obey what you don't know. So the wise person must know. Knowledge is extremely important. In fact, knowledge is vital to knowing God, to walking in wisdom, meaning we're committed to going to His Word. We're committed to learning. We don't just graduate high school, uh, did the church stuff, and now my knowledge growth is done. Uh, I've, I've capped it. I'm never reading a book again. You know, I'm never going to church. I'm done. Maybe you've known those people. Maybe that's been you where 10 years down, you're like, I don't know anything more now than I did 10 years ago, except for what happened on the show Lost. 
<laughs> we want to continue to grow in knowledge, which will grow our wisdom, but the knowledge is of God, knowing God. Proverbs 8. I'm going to read a lot of Proverbs 8, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to the word. So don't take notes right now unless you, I mean, you want to in your Bible. If, you, if closing your eyes works, whatever it takes, I want you to listen to the word because it, right here, uh, the writer is going to personify wisdom. Wisdom is going to speak. And I want you to just listen to the word because authority comes from the word of God. Listen to this. Proverbs 8, starting in 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Between the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cries to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Look at the words in this passage. Wisdom is speaking, and wisdom is saying this. Learn prudence. How do you learn? You are taught. You must be taught to learn something. Learn prudence. Oh, fools, learn sense. Hear. I'm going to speak, so hear. Listen to me. It says they are all straight who understands, and those who find knowledge. Wisdom dwells with prudence. All these words are, are speaking of something you seek and find and pull in. You must learn, so you take it. You must listen. These are all very active, that wisdom is out there. We must go get it and be willing to receive it. Listen, get it, knowledge. Again, we cannot fear what we don't know. But now, Proverbs 8, 32 to 36 because he's talking about hearing, listening, knowledge is available, get it. But now he's going to go to, now do something with it. Verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. And do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Blessed 
is the person that listens and obeys. Blessed is the person who seeks out the knowledge of God. Blessed is the person who fears God as they learn and obey. Blessed. Wisdom fears the Lord. Wisdom knows the Lord. Now, what's the other side? The fool. Now, the Bible tells us we're not supposed to call people fools, but the Bible does, so we'll let that. But here's what it says, Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The fool, let's leave that one up a little bit. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. In Scripture, the word fool never refers to a mentally challenged. The fool always refers to a person who stubbornly rejects wisdom. That's the fool. The person that hears the wisdom and rejects it, or the person that doesn't seek for it at all. That's the fool. But here the fool says in his heart, there is no God. This is distinctly opposite of the wise person. Wisdom begins with fearing the Lord. The fool begins with denying Him. Now, this isn't just atheism. We read this and we go, oh, the fool is the person that doesn't believe in God. Well, when this was written, atheism didn't exist. I, everybody believed in God. They believed in gods. They, they believed some kind of thing. So this is really more talking about the person who, who might believe in a God, but doesn't believe that God is personal, doesn't believe that God is involved. There was a belief that the gods, you know, made humankind and then just left them, didn't really care. That's what this is talking about. The person that God carries no weight with them. So this is speaking of an atheist, absolutely. The person who denies God obviously doesn't think God carries any weight, but this can also be the person who believes in a God but doesn't fear God. So they believe, but they refuse to, to heed him at all. That's the fool. The fool says, God has nothing to do with my life. So this is in your notes. Foolishness denies God. Specifically, his authority. The fool denies God's authority. There was a, a man years ago that I was attempting to disciple. And we were looking at the Bible, and, and he, he decided he wanted to pursue a different lifestyle. I said, here's what the Bible says about what you want to do. He says, I feel drawn to this. This feels good to me. I want to do this. I said, here, do you believe the Bible is the word of God? Yes. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe that what this is saying is true, that you going that way is an abomination, that that's not best? He said, I believe, yeah, but I want to do what I want to do, and God's going to forgive me later. That's a fool. And by the way, I've heard that plenty of times in my life, of somebody who goes, I believe God, I believe the Bible, I believe Jesus died for me and rose again, but I still want to do my sin for a while, and later he's going to forgive me. That's the fool. The fool that says, I know it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. Foolishness denies God. But here's another one. I'm going to read Luke 12, 16 to 21, because here's another great picture of a New Testament referring to somebody that is a fool. In Luke 12, verse 16, there was a, a rich man. Jesus is speaking, and he told him a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, 
You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's the key verse in that whole passage. So is the one, a fool, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Laying up treasure, you know, having wealth, saving, that's not a fool. There's a lot of wisdom in that. The fool is the one who does that apart from God. That's the fool. So this is in your notes, if you're a note taker. Foolishness is materialism or being materialistic apart from God. Thinking that this is all there is. Or I'm going to seek my enjoyment, my fulfillment from stuff. That's foolishness. Consumed with what's going on around me rather than with God. Consumed with work, money, sports even, whatever it might be, apart from God. But then in Luke 12, 31, where we get the clarification, because in Luke 12, 31, he says, instead, so instead of being a fool and storing up treasure apart from God, instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. The wise person is seeking the kingdom of God first. This is a big, I mean, it's verses like these that lead us to make the decisions. Why common ground do we want to be planting and going and moving? Because we want to seek His kingdom. We want His blessing. We want to be about Him. And the tendency as church, as, as you build, you just get comfortable. And it's great. We just want to stay here. We desperately want to be part of His kingdom. We desperately want to see Him do great things. We want to be wise. We want to experience His blessing. So I'm going to ask this question. If you want to be wise... Who do you listen to? As we've looked at this already, who do you listen to? Who gives you counsel? The wise fears the Lord. The fool denies God. Who do you get counsel from? Oprah? <laughs> Dr. Phil? Our culture at large? Remember, we said a, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the, in the end, it's the way of death. The worldly ways of leading you will lead you astray. Where? Do you seek wisdom? Where, who do you listen to? Who counsels you? This is a big deal because all the time I encounter Christians who are, have a decision or whatever, and they're, they're listening to a source over here that has nothing to do with God. The worldview, and we can talk about worldview, the worldview that denies God is a worldview that's very prevalent right now. It's the worldview that says we are created through evolution. Uh, there is no God, meaning moral relativism. There is no moral standard. You do what's right for you. I'll do what's right for me. This, this, uh, this worldview has led to all kinds of things. It leads to abortion. That's going crazy in this world. It leads to this sexual identity crisis we're going through right now. This worldview that denies God goes to these extremes, but it sounds good. Tolerance sounds good. Oh, no, no. Coexist. Sounds good. Love, tolerate. That sounds good. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. This worldview, when it's explained, sounds kind of good, but then you get into it, and it's scary. I mean, just look at physician-assisted suicide. That's going on in Canada. It's going to come here. It's going on elsewhere. Things are changing. Who are we listening to? Our world is full of people who want to tell you how to live, and they've got it wrong. So who do we listen to? The wise person fears the Lord and lives according to his word. The fool rejects the authority of God and his word, so don't listen to them. Side note, 
Who's the spiritual authority? It's not your pastor. It's scripture. So when you're listening to a pastor preach or somebody teach, it's a great thing to ask, what's the Bible say? Because I hear it all the time, and I have a tendency as a pastor to start giving my opinion. Well, guess what? My opinion, it's worth nothing outside of Scripture. I love it when in group or whatever we're talking about something, and somebody goes, Derek, where does it say that in the Bible? Great, you know where the authority is. This is the authority. So when we gather, we want to see what's going on here. We, we, and so that's why we're going to go through James. The New Testament book of wisdom. What does it say about how to live? Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. I'm reiterating the point that left to myself, I'm going to get it wrong most of the time. Without God being part of the decision, I'm going to get it wrong most of the time. In Isaiah 55, 9, God speaks and he says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So you, human, you, Derek, with all your wisdom that you think you have, you're like this, and I'm way up there. So why would I listen to myself? <laughs> Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Man's wisdom apart from God is foolishness. Here's another note we're going to put over there under wisdom. Wisdom. Submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. We get this from everything that we're looking, that wisdom is knowledge applied, meaning we believe God knows what's best. We're going to do what he says. Wisdom submits to Jesus as Lord because this is the theme of James. If you want to skip the rest of the summer, here's the theme of James. Jesus is Lord. Submit to him as Lord. Proverbs says it this way, 3, 5, and 6. I memorized this one as a song when I was a kid. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Feel free to use that. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding because why? You'll get it wrong. In all your ways, money, school, how you spend your time, in all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. He will help you make wise decisions that best is best for you, best for him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. <laughs> it's all about lordship. Who's in charge? Uh, Susie, since you're sitting there, can you hit those lights real quick? We have a video. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, so let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. <laughs> Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay. okay. So, 
Let's start over. Okay. All right. Kat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh, I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. That's the theme of James. Who's sitting on the stool? Who's sitting on the throne of your life making the decisions? We're going to seek this summer to know what God says and to do it to be doers of the word, not hearers only. We will be blessed for it because we have a God who loves us. He knows what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. We can trust him. So we're going to seek to know what is best. In various situations, James is going to go from topic to topic to topic. We're going to seek to know, and we're going to let Jesus sit on the stool and be Lord. So this summer, Proverbs 4, 7. Let this be your theme verse this summer. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Seek wisdom. Pursue it. Maybe you've heard the phrase, uh, leaders or readers. There's a reason for that. People that are seeking to know more. So, you don't have to be a reader. Podcasts are great. <laughs> You can listen to the Bible on audio, but we're going to pursue God this summer, seeking wisdom, seeking to obey it, and experience God's blessing. Let me pray. Father, thank you um, that you're willing to be in charge. Thank you that your wisdom is available to us. Thank you that your way is best for us. Thank you that you love us enough that you have preserved this Bible in such a miraculous way that we can read what your brother wrote, what James wrote about wisdom. But I pray that we would be doers of your word, not hearers only. Holy Spirit, I beg of you, stir in us a desire to know you, a desire for wisdom. And then stir in us and give us the self-discipline, give us the self-control to obey, to follow you, to do what we know is right, that we would be wise and that we would receive your blessing for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.